Welcome back to The Shelf Oddities. My name is Yuri. And I'm Serafina, and this is another episode of our Odd October series. If you are new to the pod, welcome in. If you are not new, welcome back. We are taking the month of October to deep dive into some of our favorite topics, and some are a little creepy, some are a little not, but everything revolves around the odd, the weird, the delirious, and today we are talking about a little bit of local legendary, but before we get into that eerie, what oddity are you feeling like this week? I am feeling like an unused funeral sticker that goes in your car to let everyone know that you're part of a funeral procession. That's pretty cool. I am currently feeling like Benjamin Franklin's crystal flute walking stick because I too am trying to be played by Lizzo, baby. Let me tell you. Me too. Honestly. Y'all can tell when this was filmed, clearly, (laughs) because that's what's really going on right now. People getting a little wild, a little wacky. Uh, So let's move away from that and let's get into my hyperfixation for this odd October episode. We are going to be talking about the Loveland Frogman, or more so my theory on the death of the Loveland Frogman and justice for him. Even though this is all just my opinions, I have gone down a very strange rabbit hole, and I would like if you and our oddlings would join me on this. I actually have a weird connection to the Frogman. The photo rendition from the Loveland Frogman where he is in front of the guardrail is a mock-up from a policeman's experience, and that cop was at many an event I went to as a child. One of my parents has worked in close relationship to him for most of my childhood. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Talking about that sketch, I don't know if you've seen the one. There's a version of it where they gave the frogman like a thick ass. I have seen that one. It is incredible. That literally, I screenshotted it to post this to our Instagram later because I think it's hilarious. It is amazing. He got the bubbliest butt in the world. He literally, he's thick. He's thick. Chonky boy. Um, Okay, so Loveland, Ohio has an odd relationship with the Loveland Frogman. Not only is he thick, but also Loveland is kind of a more small-town, conservative area. So, in the last five years, oh, I guess maybe like last eight years, the last ten years, if we're being generous, people actually were like kind of talking about him a little more. And we have had a coffee shop move in named Mile 42. They named a drink after him. And after that, it kind of got a little wild. And if you're wondering, basically a mint mocha frappe, it's pretty good if you're into that kind of beverageino. It is very good. I've had one before. Um, so once the town saw that, of course, they could make money from it, uh, they liked the Frogman a little bit more in his legend. He's gotten a little more popular. People are loosening their lips a little bit more. You can... Uh, get some more stories out of people. His legend is one of great interest to me. I think you as well. Having a local legend, of course, he's going to be in all of our hearts near and dear. Yeah, we don't have a lot of cryptids that are specific to Ohio. The two other cryptids that get mentioned are Mothman and Bigfoot. And And Grassman. And Grassman. Yeah. And all of those are kind of like in other states as well. So it's like, he's the coolest. He is the coolest. Um, So let's go ahead and hop through history and learn a little bit more about our froggy wizard man. As always, our stories start with the oldest lore we can find. The oldest lore that lends itself to any type of credit is the Shawnee people themselves. They were the first peoples of this area of Ohio, and they believed that they saw demons in the Little Miami River. Water demons that were adapted to our seasons and rivers. They said that they saw these demons right above where the bridge is now to let you into Loveland, Ohio. 
Isn't that interesting? Have you ever heard that? I've never heard that. Yeah, it goes way back. Hmm. Isn't that wild? So let's go a little bit forward into more modern times. He was first spotted in 1955 by a Mr. Robert Honeycott at 3.30 in the morning, the witching hour, the frogging hour, if you will. He was driving down a quiet stretch of road that follows the Miami River to its left. This road brings you into downtown Loveland. Mr. Honeycott spotted three bipedal reptilian beings on the side of the road ahead of him. Mr. Honeycott, not believing his eyes, pulled over before he got too close to them and watched them for roughly three minutes, as he can recall. Gray, leathery skin with frog-like heads standing at about three to four feet tall. But what Mr. Honeycutt could not get over was their frog-like head. But what Mr. Honeycutt could not get over was that their frog-like heads had deep wrinkles where the hairline would have started if they were human. And their web feet they were standing on. Just two of them. That's not normal for frogs. Normally they're all four. Mm -hmm. These were just two standing on some strong legs. Just as he was trying to go and sneak away from them, one of these quasi-reptilians noticed that they were being watched. The vibe kind of changed a little bit. It was like, hey guys, chill. You know, there was kind of like that vibe of like, we're being watched, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, he pulled out a wand. Not Mr. Honeycott. No, no, no. The quasi-reptilians in front of him pulled out a wand about a foot-long stick that emitted sparks out of the top of it. Our very own little Harry Potter indeed right here in Loveland, isn't that cute? And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, seeing giant frogs would be interesting, but then they pull out some type of technology, you know? I mean, not that we're not calling like sticks technology, but like if you saw a frog, holding a stick and like genuinely using Waving it, it around yeah it would uh, be a little bit of a shocker that's for sure and thus begun the legend that's going to be where he enters the quaint little town of loveland there are also stories of a local loveland farmer seeing them in his plot of land late one night about 30 yards from his barn door he also mentioned a wand as well a circle of frog people having a little get together right there in his cornfield and then there's a short order cook going out on his smoke break in downtown Loveland. I couldn't find what restaurant it was called at the time, but I believe it's where the modern day Wicked Pickle is. Okay. Uh, which is where I had my engagement dinner. Oh, Isn't yeah. that so funny? Uh, which is right on the river. It's about 10 yards uh, from the river. And he reported seeing a three to four foot tall bipedal frog very late at night just walking towards the river. No wand, no cape, no nothing. By himself? Just yeah, just one guy walking walking on by himself. Those two settings are hard to find info on. These were also back in the 50s. And honestly, Loveland today is only now getting into like 2010 technology as a whole. So records are hard to find. But as someone who had a little bit of an in with Loveland's leaders, I've heard these stories my whole life. I was raised on stories about Loveland's weird and wacky side. And here's where I'm probably about to lose this in I have with them because the main sighting people talk about is well documented and well retracted and I have opinions. These are my opinions. This is my research, but it's about to get spicy. On March 3rd, 1972 at 1 a.m., Loveland police officer Ray Shockey was driving carefully down Riverside Drive. There had been ice on the roads and he wanted to be careful. It's kind of an industrial area with a neighborhood here and there and like giant industrial buildings between it. 
But as the road says, it is the riverside, right next to the little Miami River. This is the road opposite to the road Mr. Honeycott was on. So it's icy, it's 1 a.m. and it's dark. There still isn't many streetlights on this road today, let alone in 1955. Officer Shockey sees something in his headlights, something he's never seen before. And he's been in Loveland for a while at this point. He sees what he says is a big ass frog, at least 50 to 60 pounds from what he could tell. This thing was huge and what he called leathery. He was a little shook up. This frog was moving fast and kind of surprised by the headlights and it goes through the road and it crouches down or like balls up as frogs tend to do when they're hiding right against the side of the road. And after a few moments of them, you know, he looks at me and I look at him, um, he realizes Shockey isn't going anywhere. So he stands up. This thing is four feet tall, scares the life out of Shockey. And then our lovely Loveland Frogman stretches his legs, puts one foot over the guardrail. This thing is tall enough to treat the guardrail like a baby gate you want to get over. He looks back at Shockey, and then he climbs over the guardrail and goes into the river, which is right behind the guardrail. We're talking about half a foot and then a drop. When it rains, this road and the river become one, basically. So we're talking real close. And then we're going to get into the part of the story where my senses go off on the something's just not right here. <laughs> Two weeks later, Officer Mark Matthews, he sees another giant green leathery creature. What he calls an unidentifiable animal in the same stretch of road, chilling on the side of the road by the river, and he shoots it. Because, I don't know, it was the 70s and it was just okay to be shooting animals you don't know by the river? I, I don't know, this thing was not coming after him or like hurting anyone. He assumed it was someone's lost pet or a river creature. So why are you shooting it? Why are you shooting it? It doesn't, he didn't like it and he decided to pull the trigger. That's where my brain goes. Hold up, now something smells fishy and it ain't the river, bud. Like, what are you doing? Doesn't make any sense. He, in later years, says he did it to be able to stand by his brother in arms and make sure people didn't think Shockey was crazy. He was confirming that Shockey had seen something and it wasn't the Loveland Frogman. But anyway, he shoots this thing, picks it up, throws it in his trunk, and brings it to Shockey in the station. And Shockey says, yeah, this is what I saw. They put it in their reports that it was an iguana missing its tail. That's why they didn't recognize what animal it was. Now, neither of them liked to talk about it. One of the officers I asked about it long ago talked to Shockey about it, and like his whole kind of personality changed. He got like really quiet and was like, oh, I don't really like to talk about that. And, um, but if it was an iguana, why would you be so quiet about it? Like, he could just feel bad that they randomly killed someone's exotic pet, I guess. But then I did some digging and like things just don't really make sense. My dear Erie, do you know what the normal temperature is on March 3rd in Southwest Ohio? It's usually pretty chilly. Yeah, highs of mid 30, maybe 40s if you're lucky and it's a, a special kind of year. So here's the thing, I looked up what the weather was like during that two week period that we know this animal was out and about. It snowed March 2nd and on the 4th, and the 5th, and the 8th, and the 14th. 
And would you happen to know what happens to iguanas when they get into weather lower than 45 degrees? So I would assume, because they are Mm cold-blooded, that they don't move as much? Yeah, they freeze up. Yeah. And they wait. Mm -hmm. And they wait until it gets warm enough for their blood to start moving Mm -hmm. again. So you mean to tell me that an iguana at 1 a.m. on March 3rd in 1972 was somehow warm enough to stretch out his back legs and climb over a guardrail, let alone not having a tail for balance. How's that possible? And also, iguanas didn't even become exotic pets until the 70s. Someone brought them to Florida and they became a huge problem in the 70s for Miami. So what do you do when you have a weird animal? Hmm? A weird leathery animal? You blame it on the nuisance pet that's taking over Florida, the number one traveled state by Ohioans. They really didn't become popular in Ohio until the early 80s. So you mean to tell me this iguana was four feet long without its tail, so clearly well-loved and taken care of, up until the point it escaped or was let go of into the woods by someone who loved it enough to take care of it to grow up to four feet, which is impossible because guess what? I looked that up too. Five-year-old iguanas that are really well taken care of Their bodies only get to be about two feet long. You add the tail and that number shoots up to just under five feet, 4.98 on average to be exactly. They have small bodies and long tails, not the other way around. So with all this in mind, I want to restate. Two officers saw the world's largest iguana in history, four feet tall without its tail, which means with its tail, it would have been almost 10 feet long in proportion because they only ever get up to six feet with their tails. So a four foot tailless iguana in freezing temperatures and a terrain covered by snow, he literally said he was driving carefully because there was ice, got into an almost, if not completely frozen river, even though they don't survive water under 75 degrees, I looked that up as well, and was still alive two weeks later after multiple days below freezing and multiple snowstorms to then be shot for no reason at all by a different officer and none of them want to talk about it? Okay, cool, 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 cool. What's interesting to me is when stories about the Loveland Frogman hit Urban Legends books, the second officer, Mark Matthews, says the authors decided to leave out the part where it was a confirmed iguana. Well, Mr. Matthews, maybe that's because it doesn't make any sense. Iguanas weren't common in Ohio at that time. It was freezing. They don't get that big. Neither do they look like frogs. Where's the proof? Where's the proof? You shot it. Where's its body? Anyway. Where's the pictures? And what even more interesting is that in 2001, Mr. Matthews decided to email back Weird Ohio after they asked for comment. And he says it's blown way out of proportion and he never even shot the thing. He attempted to shoot it and it got away. So which one is it? Did you shoot this animal to show people Shockey wasn't crazy and a vet confirmed it was an iguana? Or did the reptile get away and you never shot it at all? So the main story you tell doesn't make any sense. So then instead you try to say, oh, they've made it all up. It's in a police report. Where's the facts? Where's the facts? So we either notice all these facts that don't line up or we need to deal with the fact that you shot a completely locked up cold-blooded animal hanging out by the river just to show your coworker that he was wrong about his encounter and to put the rumor mill to bed. Plus, this puts us in a weird place, doesn't it? And that is where I rest my case, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Justice for the Loveland Frogman. Justice for Loveland. Justice for Loveland. Isn't that insane? I mean, what in, like, that's gonna be our first merch. 
Justice for the Loveland Frogman. <laughs> I'd wear that. I'd wear it. I just... There's just so many things there that just don't line up, and then, like, neither of them like to talk about it. I'm thinking... We're missing some pieces of the story. That's that's all. That's all. Because you don't get to say for 30 plus years that it was confirmed in Iguana by a vet and then immediately be like, I never shot anything. JK never saw it. JK, LMAO. Like, no. Okay. Anyway. So, now that we know that Frogman needs justice, let's see what happened from the years leading up into 1972. Nothing. The Frogman goes quiet. Uh, anyone who sees him doesn't want to say anything because they don't want him to get shot. And anyone who didn't believe it in the first place ate up the iguana story with a spoon. So that brings us to 2016. This is the next time there's a sighting. Whether this one is a hoax or not, I will let you decide. As we all know, the summer of 2016 was the summer of Pokemon Go. Everyone and their brother were outside. That really was Michelle Obama's last-ditch effort to get the kids moving. No, <laughs> and it worked for a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it did work. There were uh, more cryptid sightings that year alone, just because people were outside in droves. And Loveland was no different. Five Pokestops along the river and bike trail, a giant park full of a bunch of things to catch. Loveland is actually famous for its stop on the bike trail. It goes about 26 miles around Ohio, and it connects to other bike trails that go throughout the state and then into other states. So it's like a big destination, including this park and these Pokestops. So Sam Jacobs and his girlfriend are on the bike trail catching some Gyarados at dusk, and lo and behold, what shows up on their camera? A giant frog standing in the water. And we aren't talking like Big Daddy Toad. We're talking about a huge frog. They managed to snap a picture of it. It'll be on our Instagram if you'd like to see it. Now, this being is no Pokemon. It's not the style of art, nor can you catch it with a digital ball. If this photo is real, it lines up with other encounters. His height and structure make sense. But some people do call it a hoax. I mean, what won't people call a hoax these days? I think you should go look at the picture yourself and make your own decision. These two people got no fame from this. I checked their Instagram and they don't have a shit ton of followers. This was 2016, so there was no instant TikTok fame for them. The news wrote like half a paragraph about it. It was basically nothing. It did go viral on Reddit, so there is that. Uh, and then, of course, there are whispers about people seeing him now and again. But unfortunately, we live in a day and age where if people don't have photos now, they aren't believed. But I believe them. I've seen crazy shit and not been able to get a camera out quick enough. Actually, I've seen crazy shit in Loveland and not be able to get a photo. So now is where I give you my opinion. Loveland, Ohio is weird. There's a whole castle in Loveland made out of rocks that a man took from the Loveland River. He dragged rocks out of the river and built a castle just using the rocks and he was a weirdo. I'm gonna read you this straight from the Loveland Castle's website. This is the first paragraph you get when you open the castle's website. We're talking lovelandcastle.com. This is the first thing that comes up. The historic Loveland Castle and Museum Chateau La Roche was built as an expression and reminder of the simple strength and rugged grandeur of the mighty men who lived when knighthood was in flower. It was their knightly zeal for honor, valor, and manly purity that lifted mankind out of the moral midnight of the dark ages and started it towards the gray dawn of human hope. Present human decadence proves a need for similar action. Already, the ancient organization of knights has been reactivated to save society. 
Any man of high ideas who wish to help save civilization is invited to become a member of the Knights of the Golden Trail, whose only vows are the Ten Commandments. Chateau La Roche is the world headquarters and residence of the Knights of the Golden Trail. Like, what the hell is that? What the fuck? What is that? Um, it's a small castle built out of local rocks from the river meant to save society? That's what's happening in Loveland? It's wild. It's, uh, I just, what is going on? I've been there a bunch, and it's cool as hell. Because it's a castle made from rock, from a river, that's not even a stone's throw away from the front door. It has really cool gardens, but now that I know all this stuff, I don't know, man. It's strange. And the guy who built it, his name's Harry, and he's a fucking weirdo, too. Here's his own biography of the same website. Harry objected to modern warfare, killing at a distance. He preferred, he preferred sword-to-sword medieval combat. He served as a medic in World War I, contracted spinal meningitis, and was declared dead in 1918. By the time he was declared undead, six months later, his fiance had married another man. Harry seemed not to have minded. He stayed in Europe visiting castles. He veered away from women, period. Having more than 50 marriage proposals later in life, he turned them all down. This is, this is what this means. Witch? What is going on? What is happening? Like literally, you're like you. You said un- he was declared undead. I literally mean it. He had to be declared undead because they thought he died. He didn't believe in war, so he made himself a medic in World War One because they weren't fighting with swords. This is a real human person. And this story gets weirder, just wait. You might be thinking, okay, how did this random ass man get land in Loveland and start building a castle made of rocks? Well, here's the story from his own words. The history of the Knights of the Golden Trail is almost as fascinating as the castle itself. The castle can be considered as an afterthought, incredible as that seems. In the early 1920s, one of Harry Andrews' pet projects was his Sunday school slash Boy Scout troop. He had a dozen or so boys that met regularly for Sunday school. One of their favorite things was camping. As it happened years ago, the Cincinnati Business Courier, a local newspaper, had a promotion to establish a greater subscription base. If a person paid for a six-month subscription in full, they received a plot of land on the banks of the Little Miami River in Loveland, Ohio. What? Yeah. So, like, a bunch of the people who own river, like, houses here, that property was because they paid for a subscription to a newspaper for six months. This really sounds like a cult. It's insane. It's, like, the most insane... Oh, it's insane. It's just so wild. Okay, so one of Harry's Sunday school pupils had parents that took advantage of this offer. And then they sold the lots to Harry and his knights for a very low cost. Harry and his knights, which is, what is that? His knights? Like, what is he? The king of Loveland? He sounds like a witch. He's literally insane. Uh, They became regular visitors to the banks of the Little Miami, so much so that they took up to leaving their gear at the campsite. But between the elements and the wild animals and even people that had stumbled upon their cash, their equipment constantly came out missing, damaged, or unusable. In 1928, the Knights had over 100 members and decided they weren't going to be real Knights because they didn't have a castle. 
Harry told them if they helped him fetch stone from the river, he would build them a real 10th century style castle. Those boys started fetching rocks and Harry bought the property in 1929 and started building June 5th, 1929. Did you think that somehow we were going to get to this man who was declared dead and then undead had a hundred little boys help him take rocks out onto a property that was built and bought for because someone subscribed to a newspaper? Because I didn't... I've. I, I never even... I, I had know no, that. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Isn't that just the most absolutely insane thing you've ever heard? Here, you want some other odd facts about good old Harry? I do. I know that this is a tangent, has nothing to do with the Love and Frogman, but I think it all comes to a point. So he was the oldest living notary public in Ohio, and he never charged more than a quarter for his service. Why are all the weird people notaries? That's a thing. <sighs> I think I want to be a notary. I think me too. Yeah. He was also a well-published author. He was... At the bequest of the U.S. Immigration Department, he wrote a guidebook to those aiding seeking citizenship. You can see a copy of that on display at the castle. He graduated from Colgate University. He also made the road that you take down to the castle. Buses can't take that road still today. Like, it's very cobblestone-esque. Uh, he grew vegetables year-round in hotbeds of his own design, which I think is really cool. They were heated by railroad lanterns. Isn't that wild? And here's the coolest part. I think he's batshit insane until I read this one. He had a secret room in the garden. The entrance was one of the arches in the arch wall. It was only discovered after it collapsed from years of neglect. Even his own knights didn't know it was there. What was in the room? Do we I know? I don't know. They don't, t- they don't say. It's where he kept his phylactery because he's a fucking lich. Like, what is going on? I, it doesn't make any sense. And the Loveland Castle has amazing gardens, like I said, but they also have ghosts as well. And they keep their ghost stories really close to the chest because it's a part of the tour, so you can't find them readily. But, like, I have questions. Why are there ghosts? No one's died in the house that we know of. <laughs> Editing Eerie here. Whilst getting my tattoo done during a tattoo appointment last week um, by my wonderful tattoo artist Mike Dunn at the Loft Tattoo Studio in Loveland, ironically enough, he mentioned something that we didn't know when we recorded this episode and we dug a little deep into it. So Harry did actually die on the grounds of the castle when a trash fire on the grounds got out of control and burned him severely. He died from his burns in 1981. We found this information on American Hauntings Ghost Hunts, uh, which is a website from bumpinthenight.net. We'll include it in our links. But we thought that was interesting and wanted you all to know, too. So unless his secret room was like a killing factory. I mean, energy in the rocks. That's what my guess is. Maybe it's the rocks he took from the Demon River. (laughs) That's reasonable. Because what else could it be? It's so odd. I have spent many years in Loveland as a kid, and I've spent many years there as an adult, but you'll hear about that more on Halloween when we tell you our own paranormal stories. I think that Loveland is odd. It's kind of like a creepy little star's hollow. The people are nice enough, and the town is cute enough, but there's definitely a weird underbelly there. The Shawnee saw demons here, and they're still here, let me tell you. So where does Frogman's legacy stand now? The internet loves him. They eat him up. You can find merch, you can find books, you can find artist renditions. I actually found a book when I was doing research for this that's called It Came From Ohio, which, like, is such, like, a, like, I want that as my Instagram bio. Uh, yeah, it I also need Ohio. the link to this book because... It, yeah, it's on um, Amazon. You can check it out. It's really cool. And the artwork on it's really cool, too. 
Loveland itself has businesses that sell Frogman merch. Mile 42 that I mentioned earlier has Frogman stickers and shirts. The stickers we both have on our water bottles because it's cute as hell. It's adorable. He's just walking around carrying a little coffee. It's so sweet. Loveland itself has an annual Frogman triathlon. It's typically the first week of September. This year was its eighth annual event. You bike for five miles, you run for five miles, and then you canoe for five miles. That sounds exhausting to me, but it is cool. You run down the road that Honeycott saw him on, you bike down the road the cops saw him on, and you kayak under the bridge that the Shawnee warned them about. I don't know if that's intentional. They don't really tend online to show a lot or lean into it as much as I would like them to. Um, but Loveland only has three streets and the bridge is next to the kayaking company. So it's completely possible that's not intentional, but I do think it's cool. And even if it's just a fun thing for athletic people to do, I do like to think the intention of honoring our froggy boy is there. We were just in Salem and I actually picked up a frogman sticker there. So like, it's kind of national. He's definitely gaining traction. He has his wand and he's just straight chilling. So he is rapidly becoming a uh, more well-known cryptid. Ohio is known for being weird. Does Ohio even exist? I don't know. I've lived here all my life and I couldn't tell you anything. My parents are corn and hell is real. Uh, did I just say that to find a reason to put up the hell is real sign on our Instagram? Maybe, but you should check it out if you haven't seen it. It's iconic and not for the reasons those who put it up think so. Yeah, it's now a running joke, honestly. I actually have a t-shirt uh, yeah. that says hell is real in the same font. Love yeah. the hell out of it. It's fun. Yeah. And you got that at an Audi's con convention, right? Um, I actually got it at a horror convention, ho which like, is the yeah. same vein. It's, it's basically been reclaimed all the same, which is really cool. So... Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a smaller, not well-known cryptid. It's getting more traction. Uh, the farmer I mentioned earlier also said that he once saw them go by on bikes, which is really funny to that me. That is very funny. Uh, because it's literally like, here come that boy. Like, yeah. it's a frog on a bike. Hey, what's up? It's me, your boy. It's me, your boy. So this is kind of a shorter episode just because we don't know. We don't know what's real what's not i can tell you if any town is gonna have some cool ass froggy dude rocking around it's loveland i have to believe that there's at least the one of them if there were groups of them originally hopefully man's only killed one and yeah. the rest of them are out there having their wizard meetings yeah. living their best lives i hope so i mean it really it's really sad that i mean we all know how a lot of us feel about cops and um not that the you know 1970s were any better and probably maybe a little worse i don't know but um, 70s were a rough time lots yeah. of active serial killers yeah. lots of weird shit happening and a lot of cops shooting random animals for no reason yeah i'm not too sure i did try to request an interview with uh shockey i don't believe that meadows is still around i'm not sure um i haven't heard anything and i didn't clarify because i know enough that what was going to be was going to be and especially when i'm kind of accusing one of them of cold-blooded murder i understand why but um just know they don't like to talk about it and if it was just an iguana you'd think they'd be like oh you know blah 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 you know but, but i feel like there's something more there and i definitely feel like if we went from having groups of three to four frogmen around having little cult little seance moments in the cornfields and now maybe we see one every couple of decades 
why did you why did you kill their legacy like that? Yeah. Justice for Frogman. Justice for Frogman. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you guys for listening to my rant. Um, please keep you know sign our petition for. Ju- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely uh, one to keep your eye on. See if uh, anything comes up or around. It's a uh, it's spooky season. Uh, here in Loveland, and Loveland doesn't necessarily take it that serious, but shit gets weird around Loveland in uh, October, so keep your eyes on the rivers. You might see something interesting, and uh, stay out, Arcadia.